Greetings. This is the Stephen Ivy Show, where we are having candid conversations that ignite hope and inspire healing. Let's go inside this episode to take a listen. I know you'll enjoy. Well, welcome, Nicole. Hey, Stephen. Thank you. It's great to be no, here. Yeah, no problem. Glad you could you could uh, phone in and we could have this conversation. Uh, just a little bit about her. Nicole was involved in a life-changing motorbike accident at age 16. Left for dead on the side of the road with a prognosis of expect death or life in a vegetative state. This is the cool part. She not only survived, but eventually she thrived by learning to overcome and manage significant injury barriers. She now works as a rehabilitation consultant, helping others achieve their highest potential after injury. So um, I, I, I want to get right into your story. But before we do that, I have a, a really quick question that I want to ask you. Tell me, what does hope and healing mean to you? Hope and healing for me is reaching my highest potential, believing, believing in yourself that you know, even though with when it comes to brain injury, it's likely that that person that you were is never going to return. In my case, definitely not. Gone mm -hmm. is that shy retiring you know, teenager. Um, but that's okay because yeah. through hope and healing, I've become a different person and that person's okay too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what is a song that you have heard that gives you hope or a song that has healing? Yeah, wow. It's look, all, most of the songs out there that are sort of about overcoming adversity tend to be about relationship breakdowns and things like that. But right. there are phrases within those songs that really resonate. And one of my favorite, you might recognize this one. Can you hear that? Turn it up a little bit more for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will survive. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's your song. All right. Well, that's cool. Cool. Why? So, so I guess let's just talk about your story. Why that song is important for you, and, and uh, why you have hope with that song. Yeah. Well, I guess that song really um, it digs into something that you know I believe is so important in any adversity is digging down to find your resilience resilience yeah we all have resilience within us but sometimes we've really got to dig deep to find it and you know that resilience can links to hope yeah. hope that tomorrow is going to be better or day after or day after and it might be a week later or a month later but they will be a better and resilience will help you find that yes ma'am yes ma'am so you're an author um mm -hmm. you wrote the book holding on to hope i have my own copy Yes, and yeah. it's a beautiful cover, guys. I encourage you to go look. It's on Amazon. Just type in Holding On To Hope, Nicole Yates. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful, I mean, her story is beautiful. And and I learned this from her story or from the book. Uh, it's pronounced Yates, but it's spelled Y-E-A-T-S. 
A-T-E-S. Just a yes. little little tidbit. Um, but Nicole, <laughs> talk talk to us about your story about about the book and what you wrote about. Yeah, well, look, when I was 16, um, as you said in your intro, I was involved in a motorcycle accident. I um, I got my first tax return at age 16 and I couldn't afford to buy a car, so I bought a motorbike. And in New Zealand at the time, you could get your license at 15 years of age, which is pretty crazy when you think about it, but <laughs> it's not like that anymore. It's 18 now. But um, so I was on my way to basketball and I got hit by a car. It was a hit and run accident. I died three times and was in a coma for three weeks. And wow. basically to, uh, when I woke, well, when I became conscious, I won't say awake, I took a couple of weeks for me to become conscious after opening my eyes, but um, it, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. It looked like that vegetative state prognosis could be right um but yeah after lots of rehab and you know lots of work um i managed to return to school the following year so that was you know um so my accident was in june and i returned to work uh, returned to school in february the following year um Mm. not with a full study load, uh, reduced study load. The school were wonderful in accommodating, you know, my disabilities that you know, needed some help and so forth. So they made it possible for me to return to school. Definitely. So you said you died three times, right? Mm-hmm. In your book, you shared this this story that oh my gosh, yeah, I I, I I'm not gonna I don't want to go into it. I want you to tell us about it. But but you talk about dying, and there were certain things that you saw, and mm-hmm. even or and 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 after you tell the story, you even have proof that what you saw was it was legit, and you had oh. no idea. So so t- tell us about that story. That was that was it, it grabbed yeah. my attention. Well, um, something that's not in the book is my first near-death experience um, was actually when I was on the road and I saw a man, not to to give away the story too soon, so I saw a man on the side of the road Mm -hmm. that I knew. Um, And in that moment of being unconscious on the road, I I knew who that man was. And then in hospital, um, when they were CTing, the CT scan to check out my brain, um, I died under the CT scan. Wow. And in that moment, the very last thing that I heard was the doctors saying, we've lost her, she's gone. And mm. I could see what was happening in the CT room. And so in my mind, I was not dead um, because I could, I could still hear them. Yeah. And I remember thinking, no, you bloody haven't. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I saw this yellow light and, and I saw um, the same man that was on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. I, I saw him and he said to me, come on, sassafras. Mm. And I said, no, what about mum? You know, mum needs me. Yeah. And, and then he, like, it's, it's a bit hazy, but he disappeared and I heard the voice of another man who I believe to be the higher being, God, Jesus, whoever you you 
I don't know what his name is, but the, the spiritual being. Um, he said to me that it's not your time yet. You've got more to teach. So, okay, great. We're on the same page. I don't want to go. <laughs> you say, I'm not ready. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I actually came out of my coma um, and I was, I used to sort of blabber on um, when I was learning to talk and, and, you know, I went back to about a three-year-old for a while there and mm -hmm. I was going on about this yellow light. Mum and I were on the bus for the first trial of taking me home and she thought I was talking about traffic lights, but I was, no, mum, the yellow light when I died. <laughs> and she, that, that got her attention. Because she, she felt, she felt a presence. Um, and anyway, uh, she asked me questions. She said, what did he look like? Mm -hmm. And I described my father. My father died when I was three years old. And what was he wearing? He, I described what he was buried in. What did he say? Did he say anything? And I said, he said, come on, Sassafras. Well, she went white. Oh, wow. That was wow. a nickname that dad called me as a baby. And she'd never told me that. Wow. And wow. it wasn't until we got home that there was a picture of mum, dad and I, because I, I, I had amnesia. I, you know, the, there were big gaps in, you know, the before and the after. Um, and it wasn't until we got home and I saw the picture of the three of us on the wall and I said, mum, that's him. She's like, who? I said, that's the man I saw when I died. Wow. And she said, well, do you know who it is? No, said, that's your father. <laughs> wow. So what did having that injury, um, and it, it was a brain injury and very serious, right? Um, mm. what? what were the what were the what was the impact what is the impact of that that injury yeah so the impact has changed over years um mm. you know it's been 33 years since i had that accident um so in the very beginning my short-term memory was nothing short of atrocious um i couldn't i'd read a page of a book and forget it so I couldn't even read a book. My memory and concentration was so bad. Um, so basically it's graduated from notes all over my house to remind me of things yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the invention of the mobile phone, you know, using your, your calendar mm -hmm. to most recently the app that I've been a part of creating, especially for people with a brain injury um, and short-term memory issues um, called Retink. So Retink is a memory management app specifically designed for anyone with uh, memory issues. And uh, it has task and appointment facility remind and inbuilt reminders so that it, it automatically reminds you of those appointments before, an hour before, 15 minutes before. It's got a um, memory training games on it. It's got health, brain health blogs and you know, health blogs. Um, and it's also a communication tool. So if someone is still needing a carer or a support worker in their life to help manage, they can actually, the support worker can download the app on their phone. And then the person, when he, 
or she goes to a medical appointment, if they need that support worker to come, they can actually invite their support worker or family member or carer to that appointment through the app and it'll show up on both their phones. Wow, that is cool. That is mm. really cool. Yeah. Um, wow. Oh, look, Stephen, there's I didn't so know about the app. Like, <laughs> memory, yeah. It, hopefully it was in the hands of Apple at the moment for approval. So depending on how long that takes, yeah. hopefully within the next week it should be live. But other than, you know, in when I went to university, um, you know, memory tricks and um, mnemonics to mm -hmm. learn lists to, you know, so many tools and resources and strategies that I use, you know, repetition. When I was having to remember anatomy and physiology in beauty therapy college, I would draw the muscles. Mm. I would visualize the muscles. I would, you know, just as much reinforcement as possible to get it into long-term memory. And I had to work really hard to, to yes. do that, but you can do it. Yes, ma'am. So um, you, it, in the book, you talked about how uh, at 16, uh, one of the things that you, you wanted the motorbike and your mom really wasn't feeling the idea of you having a motorbike. Uh, no, she was not happy at all, but it was my money. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. So I noticed, I noticed this thing like going throughout the book um, of, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I, I, the theme stubborn was in the book. So oh, yeah, at, at 16, 16, you were, you were like every other 16 year old that we know there was, you were, it was, you were stubborn and you yep. wanted what you wanted. You wanted the, the you wanted it the way you wanted it. Um, but more <laughs> deeper than that, I, I saw when you had your accident and while you were in a coma, your mother's stubborn hope that you would make it, um, in the oh, book yeah. guys. And I, again, guys, I want to say you have to read her book because there were so many times that your mother, um, I believe it was her faith that helped you stay strong and helped heal you because there were times that the doctors, the medical professionals had, had basically tried to get your mother ready for, for you to, to die and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and be in a vegetative state, but your mother just would not accept that. No, Even you, no. after you woke up from your, from your coma, you could have accepted your, your disability as it was, um, mm -hmm. but you, you kept working. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So tell me, um, I, I want to know what are some takeaways that we can have from your story about how can we hold on to hope all throughout your book, you give key learnings. Um, and so would you give us maybe four or five key learnings that we could take with us to help us hold on to hope? Yeah. Yeah. Look, believe in yourself is really critical. I mean, you said about mum in, you know, when the doctors were saying expect death, or a life in a vegetative state, you know, here are the uh, organ donation forms, let's turn off life support, you know, that sort of thing. She was not, and immediately when she was in the emergency room, she started praying. She prayed out loud. She didn't yeah. care who listened. She didn't care who heard her. She just started praying out loud and, um, you know, holding on to her faith. And she knew me, she, knew how stubborn I was and the gene didn't fall far from the apple, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
look, ultimately, I think the, the lessons to be learned are you've got to develop a positive mindset. And not everyone has that natural born you know, optimistic outlook or, you know, the glass half full sort of framework. Yeah. And, you know, you need to, if you don't have it naturally, then you need to work on it. You need to consciously develop a positive mindset. Um, you, as I said earlier, you know, you've really got to dig deep to find, everyone has that resilience within them. You just got to dig deep to find it. And with the positive mindset and developing your resilience, you know, that really is the baseline for hope. Yeah. You know, it, it cradles hope. Um, so, yeah, educating yourself about your own health, that's, that's really empowering. You know, if you, you know, so, so many times, even in my work as a rehabilitation consultant, you know, I occasionally see people that, they'll go to the physiotherapist or the psychologist or the speech therapist and they'll do all the exercises and things while they're in the treatment. And when that door closes, when they walk out of that person's office, they don't do what's recommended. Mm. You know? Yeah, That's I was one of them. <laughs> up success. That's not going to get you to reach your highest potential. You could, the, the work the hard work really starts when you leave that office and, you know, you implement all those things that they said. Yes, um, so, yep, educating yourself about your own health. Also, you know, I, I always ask for copies of my scans, my blood work, my, everything that the doctor does. I've got a file here of my own. And, nice. you know, I learn, well, okay, so that in the blood work, you know, I'll learn well, that one looks tiny bit high what does that mean you know it didn't worry the doctor because he didn't didn't say anything about it, but i want to know what does that mm -hmm. mean so that i can ask relevant questions the next time i see him um Definitely. you know understanding your brain scans you know so again you can ask good questions um to learn more about understanding what you're actually what your medical condition is you know how it's relating to your life and um, connecting those dots between okay that part of my brain was damaged and that explains why I'm having difficulties with a b and c mm. so what can I do to help strengthen those areas yeah it's all um yeah that that's really important critical um taking small steps bite-sized chunks so you know, the, when I started back at school, it was one lesson a week. You know, that, that's a small step, but I was able to do that. And mm -hmm. so that set me up for success to take the next step. I did a computers course, which was, you know, about six hours a week over two days. And so you see those, those building steps. Yeah, so taking yeah. small steps of success to get to the next stage will really help with progress. Yes, mm. ma'am. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so let's rewind 33 years. Let's go back 33 years and mm. um, we're going to hop in a time machine. I don't know who created <laughs> it, but we, you and I, we have a time machine. Um, so we're going to hop in this time machine and you're going to give a message to 16-year-old Nicole. Mm. 
Now, I'm pretty sure the first message that you want to tell her is don't get on the motorbike tonight. Ride with your friend. Get a ride. But what what would you what would you tell Nicole about life um, to hopefully strengthen her for either going through what she went through or helping her through the next phase of life, um, adulthood? Mm. Yeah, look, it is a question of, um, I've been asked before, if you could go back in time, would you get on that motorbike? Mm -hmm. And, you know, although it probably makes sense to go, no, um, mm. I wouldn't because, gee, it's been a hard road. <laughs> um, I wasn't really on the most positive pathway as a 16-year-old at the time. Um, I don't know where I would have ended up if I hadn't had that accident. Wow. You know, uh, yeah, yeah uh, it, it's, it's made me who I am today and I'm happy with who I am today. Sure, I have some challenges still, short-term memory is still not great, but because of the strategies and tools and resources that I've learned and I've developed myself, it's not a problem yeah. most of the time. <laughs> Um, no more than anyone else, really, um, until I do too much and I don't implement those strategies. But going back to your question, <laughs> uh, what would I tell 16-year-old self? I'd probably, my biggest advice to her would probably be, listen to your mum a bit more. She's actually <laughs> wiser than you thought. <laughs> definitely, definitely. She's never been wrong about it. Oh, well, she, only once she's been wrong about any of my boyfriends. Um, so that's pretty good odds. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> mm. So not only are you an, well, an author, but you also write poetry. And yeah. all throughout the book, you have different poems. Um, there was one at the very beginning of the book, um, chapter one, chapter two, I believe, that was mm -hmm. called Father Time. Yes. Uh, tell us, tell me about that that poem. I'm I'm curious to know about it. Yeah. So, look, it was really in that stage of I was getting so frustrated um, with all of the disabilities that I had. You know, I walked with a limp. I smiled crookedly. I couldn't remember what I had for breakfast this, the, that morning. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't remember the first page of a book that I'd read. Um, and, you know, my, my, the people that I thought were my friends were leaving. They couldn't handle the changes in Nicole. I was no longer the cool, you know, person to hang out with. I was responsibility. Yeah. And I guess I was getting really impatient. And mum just kept saying, wait for old father time. You know, time will, you know, it just, it just takes time, Nicole, you know, you look, look at the progress you've already made, you know, so just be patient. It's going to take time. And I just kept hearing this. It's going to take time. Oh, father time, leave it to old father time. <laughs> so that's where, that's where the poem was inspired from. Nice, nice. Writing, so was writing therapeutic for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was terrible at poetry before the accident mm -hmm. and it just really seemed to unlock something in my brain. I have, this is, 
this is actually my book of poems from nice. that, that's so there's there's over 60 poems and here through my 20s and 30s it seems that this could be the equivalent of my little black book really because it's wow <laughs> you know every breakup and every time I was in love there's a poem about it in here <laughs> <laughs> That is so cool. That is so cool. I, I've loved, I, I loved what, uh, reading your, your poetry. Um, even, uh, and I, I hate I'm giving all these spoilers, but even when you get deeper <laughs> in the book, um, because you went through a dark phase um, when, you were, when you were still kind of coming and recovering and recouping and getting your strength and learning how to walk and, and all of that stuff, you went through a dark phase. And mm. even the poems that you wrote then, I thought were beautiful um, because they expressed so much emotion. And I think sometimes we can, we can write out really what our, our mouths can't really say. Yes. Um, uh, did yeah. you, was that, would you, would you agree that's kind of what poetry became for you possibly? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I, I became, you know, really, really depressed and suicidal um, mm -hmm. with the, the challenges and, um, barriers and the the medication I was on for epilepsy that contributed to the depressed state. Um, so, yeah, I really I went insular sort of during that phase, and the poetry was like an outlet. It was a way for me to express my innermost thoughts that I didn't want to share with anybody else. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that was and yeah, you have to read the book to find out <laughs> how I came Definitely. out of that. <laughs> well, Nicole, um, I, I appreciate you sharing your story with me. This has been this has been fun, uh, and we're, we're gonna have to do it again uh, sometime soon. I promise. Uh, yeah. Before we leave, let us know how can we stay connected with you. Yeah, sure. So I've got a, a website, www.holdingontohope.com.au. So same as the book, Holding On To Hope. <laughs> um, basically, the website contains all of the um, products and services that I offer to help people reach their highest potential after brain injury. It includes career assessments, uh, mindset and memory boosting workshops, Retink, the new app memory management app that's currently with Apple and should be out in the next week. Yes. So if you're having a problem with memories, it's going to be free. Um, and, you know, lots of other things on the website that will really help people reach their highest potential. On Facebook, I've got a Facebook group called Holding On To Hope. So you can look that up as well. Um, yeah, so it'd be great to connect with more people and, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to just helping people reach their highest potential. You know, the medical profession do tend to take things on anatomy and physiology, but that will keep you alive. But it takes much, much more to actually get to your highest potential. Yes, ma'am. Are there any resources that have helped you along the way that you could recommend to us? Resources, look, um, Oh, learning, Look, I just said education, like learning about the memory and how it works and, you know, the mnemonics they're called, mnemonics that are memory tricks that can help you remember lists and things like that. Look, reading, I love this book by Norman Doidge. 
the brain that changes itself. So it's all about neuroplasticity. It gives information in here about how you can increase your brain health. Nice. Um, reading other people's stories, Michael Crossland, um, you know, that's an inspiring story as well. Um, it's everything will be okay. The book's called. So yeah, there's just feeding your mind with as much positivity and inspiration as you can is really going to help. Nice. Nice. Um, along those same lines, are there any other books that, that you've read that have inspired you? Or are those the ones that, that you recommend we read? Look, the um, Norman Doidge has got a, got a few books so okay. um, about understanding neuroplasticity and how the brain can regenerate itself. You know, when I had my accident 33 years ago, they didn't believe that neurons could, you know, once they're dead, that was it. That was the belief. Um, mm brain cells you know once they died end of story you've got two years to get as good as you can and there's no more healing after that you know that was the messages that I was told 33 years ago now they know that you know if you give your brain the right connections the right input the positive increases as I call them um, that the brain can heal itself that it can find new pathways it can make new connections uh, when I woke up, I couldn't see, but my brain arranged itself in such a way that those connectors came back. Um, wow. my, my brain didn't tell me that I was hungry, that it couldn't regulate my temperature. You know, my brain was so damaged that it lost all those autonomic fun functions and it grew new pathways to get those things back. Um, wow. So yeah, it really neuroplasticity and understanding it and learning about the ways that you can help increase your brain's potential for neuroplasticity is yes, amazing. It's just amazing. Awesome. <laughs> so what are you currently working on that we should be on the lookout for? So in my uh, on my website, you know, I've got the mindset and memory boosting series it's a series of three workshops that are done by webinar so anyone in the world can link into that uh, so it's all about ways to increase your mindset into a positive framework it's about memory strategies it's about you know increasing your brain health um, all of those really proactive things to help you reach your highest potential after brain injury that I'm, I'm so excited about retink the app wow it, is so cool <laughs> and yeah. and people probably have heard this podcast and i just want to insert this here they they're listening to this podcast and and they may only be thinking about a traumatic brain experience but it this could be for for those who are are getting a bit older in life and are struggling Absolutely. with dementia um so so guys if you're listening don't just think that this is you had a brain injury and this is going to help but no this this could be a tool uh, I could see nursing homes and and so many other places utilizing that app. Like that's that's really that's really amazing. And kudos to and you. Even education um, institutions for you yeah. know um, kids with disabilities and so yeah. forth could use that. Uh, anyone with a memory issue or organizational, you don't have to have a brain injury to be disorganized and have you know a less than great memory. Uh, yes. 
the amount yes. of people that say to me, oh, God, I've got a terrible memory. Um, yeah, it, anyone could use it that needs that sort of support. Definitely. Mm. So b- before we end, what is the number one takeaway that you want our audience to take with them? Number one is just that positive mindset, just create that positive mindset and the rest will follow. That's your baseline. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for your time. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book and it's been a pleasure meeting you. Um, yes, tell everybody you where, you're, where, where you're calling in from right now. I'm from Brisbane, Australia. Yes, yes. <laughs> Me and Nicole joked, I told her, she was going to be one of my international um, guests. And now my podcast is international. So uh, guys, <laughs> let's give a virtual digital hand clap to Nicole. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure meeting you and you have a great rest of the day. Okay. And you too, Stephen. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening today. I need you to do me a favor, leave a review and share this episode with a family member or friend, and then make sure you visit my website, www.ivyleagueenterprises.com. I want you to stay up to date with all the wonderful things that are happening in the Ivy League. Listen, it's been real, it's been fun, but I've got to run. Have a great day. Peace.